Father, what a powerful truth in that song we've just heard that we've just worshipped you and listening to and lifting our voices, our hearts to you, that we are not alone. The wilderness that we walk in tries to separate us from you tries to separate us from Your love. And I pray that today we would be reminded and that our faith would be strengthened and we would be encouraged that You are with us. You are present with us even as we walk through the wilderness and the wildernesses of our life. Come and speak to us today, Holy Spirit. Teach us. Draw us closer to You. And it's in Your name we pray. Amen. That is the answer, I guess, to the question. That we are not alone. The question is this. It comes from Romans 8, verse 35. Who or what will separate us from the love of God? Who can separate us from God's love? What can separate us from God's love? Paul goes on. Will tribulation, distress, persecution, will famine... Will nakedness, will peril, will even the sword, can any of those things separate us from God's love? And of course, in our context today, can the wildernesses that we walk through separate us from God's love? Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh's hard heart had finally broken. It took ten plagues. It took a plague so devastating that the firstborn, not just offspring of people, but even of livestock, the firstborn had all perished, had all died, except for the Hebrews who, through the sacrifice of Passover lambs, had protected the doorposts of their homes and the lives that were within. And now the Egyptians were ready for the Hebrews to leave. They were, they were anxious. They, they wanted the Hebrews to leave before anyone else would die. And Pharaoh had given them their freedom. In fact, the Egyptians were so eager for the Hebrews to leave that, that, that the Scripture tells us that when a, when a Hebrew would go up to an Egyptian and say, oh, by the way, do you mind if I take some of your gold and silver? Here, have it all. The Scripture says the Hebrews plundered the Egyptians because they were so eager to get rid of them. Here, take this. Take this. Just go. Just leave. But deep down in Moses' heart and in the Hebrews' minds, they knew they knew that their freedom may be short-lived, and, and so they needed to leave quickly. They needed to leave in a hurry. And so they packed their things, and they, they took the gold and silver with them, and clothing, the Scripture says, and they made their way. And there, as they were camped on the edge of the highway and of the wilderness, they had a decision to make. Where would they go? You see, they feared taking the, the, the short way, the, the highway. Why? Because Pharaoh's armies controlled those highways. 
and their fear that Pharaoh would, would change his mind. And so they knew that if they went the way of the highway, the quick way to Canaan, that that might be a way of peril. And so Moses and the Hebrews took out across the wilderness. You see, those whom God frees, those whom God saves and redeems are those whom the Lord leads. And the Lord began to lead His people into the wilderness. Let's pick up that story. It's Exodus chapter 13 and 14 are, are kind of where we're going to begin today. And then we're going to move uh, through some additional scriptures and finish up the Exodus story today. That's how quick we're going to go. But I'm, my attention is caught on these next verses of chapter 13 and verses 21 and 22. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. I don't know if in Hebrew, but it sure sounds good in English, right? A fire by day to lead, a cloud by day to lead the way, a fire by night to light. What is it? Um, a fire by night to light your path. It's good stuff. Let's, let's reflect on that for a minute. A beautiful picture of God leading the way in our lives, of God's presence being there in our lives. For 430 years, the Egyptians had lived in Egypt. Now, we don't know the, the exact timeline, but at some point along the way, in those last generations, they had forgotten God. And the oppression and the slavery became greater and greater, and they became more and more afflicted, and they began to cry out. And God heard their cries, and God raised up Moses, and God brought about their freedom from Egypt. After being blinded for so many years, the Hebrews could now see and experience the presence of God in a way that they never could. The presence of God was right there before them by the cloud during the day to lead the way and by the light at night to give them light that they might make the way, even at night. They were quick to learn about the presence of God. They were quick to learn that the presence of God was, was a, a guide to their path, that He would direct them along the way. God went before them to make the way right. God went before them to take them to places of rest and of shelter. We pick up the story in, in chapter 14. They continued to follow the, the cloud of the cloud by day and, and the, the light by night. And I love verse 3. It, it kind of foreshadows. For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the land, and the wilderness has shut them in. You see, Pharaoh heard that they were, had not taken the highway, but they had gone off into the wilderness. In fact, his scouts had probably told him, you know what, they have trapped themselves against the sea, the waters. 
And oh, how easy it would be, how, how prime they are for us to go and to reclaim them as Pharaoh realized that he no longer had his servants to do his work. And so he gathered his armies and he sent his armies to go and to capture and to bring back the Hebrews. In verse 10 through 12, as the army of Egypt is approaching, the Israelites cry out. And we, we read that scripture earlier. Oh, Moses, we, we didn't even want to go. You're the one that forced us here. Now we're going to die out here. And Moses, in verses 13 to 14, comes to the people and says, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. Watch the Lord work. Watch the Lord fight on your behalf. You see, the Israelites were still learning what it meant that the presence of God was with them. The presence of God was for them. And then I love in verses 15 through 18, the Lord tells Moses exactly what he's going to do. And then we're going to pick up the story in verse 19 because verses 19 through the end of the chapter is the Lord accomplishing what he's told Moses to tell the people what he's going to do. I love it. Verse, verse 19, the angel of God who'd been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel and there was the cloud along with the darkness. Yet it gave light at night. Thus the one, the Egyptians and the Hebrews, the one did not come near the other all night. Do you see what, what's happened here? The cloud that they had been following. I guess it was, was in front of them. It was, it was between them and the sea. And the scripture tells us that God moved the cloud, that God brought the cloud from in front of them and brought the cloud to behind them. And the cloud, isn't this fascinating? The cloud for the Egyptians became a source of darkness. A, a fog. Have you ever been in the midst of a fog? And, and you can't see right in front of you, especially a dense fog. You can't see in front of you. You don't know where you're going. It becomes dark. And that's where the Egyptians were. The cloud came between them and, and the Israelites and it darkened their way, and so they had to stop their pursuit. And they had to wait until the cloud cleared, until the darkness lifted. But the Scripture tells us on the other side of this cloud, guess what? There's light. And we see the story of what God is doing. God, as that light is shining during the night, if you would, is stirring the wind, and is preparing their escape. And the sea draws back, and the dry land is before them. And while it is still, I believe, technically night, the light of the cloud gives the Israelites a head start. And then, if you'll notice in the Scripture, it says, at the morning watch, at daybreak, the Egyptians begin their pursuit. And their, their hearts had been hardened along the way. And here's what I picture is, is, is the Hebrews had gotten that head start. And then at the sunrise or in that morning watch, the cloud, which what? It represents the Spirit of God, right? It represents the presence of God. The cloud lifts. And it's almost as if it begins to make its way back over 
to the Israelites. And the Scripture says that from the cloud and the light that God looked down and God confused the Egyptians. The same ground that was sturdy and held and allowed the, the, the Israelites to cross over, when those Egyptians and their chariots began to make their way across that same ground, guess what? Well, first of all, the Lord had hardened their hearts. Can you imagine just taking off? They didn't even consider what was going on. I think they saw just people and they were on their way. They didn't even stop to think, is this a good idea? Because their heart was so hardened. They, they were so focused on capturing and, and revenge and getting those people back. that They didn't even pause. They just rushed and they ran and they, they rode out and they got in the midst of this dry seabed. Let your imagination go. The scripture just says that, that, that their chariots, their wheels began to swerve. The ground didn't hold them. That God had, had, had caused confusion in their midst. And finally, listen from the, the Egyptians. You could hear their voices. Let us flee. Let us flee from Israel. Why? For the Lord is fighting for them. And we know the story how the waters crash in on them and this beautiful uh, story and, and the imagery that we see as the Lord fights, destroys the Egyptian army. And as the people get, got across to the dry land and as they, they witnessed the Lord winning that and the cloud reappeared, you can just see how the Scripture says there was a sense of, of fear, of awe, of reverence again, at who God was, of his, of his power, of His might, that when God is fighting for you, no force can come against you. And I think in that moment, the, the Israelites were reminded again of God's presence, that God was with them. You see, part of this story helps us to understand that the presence of God acts to separate us and protect us from the evil and harm of this world. Certainly, we live in a fallen and broken world, and certainly these earthen vessels that we possess are not exempt from the viruses, the illnesses, the cancers of this world. God's people experience the consequences of evil and darkness and brokenness. But let us never doubt or discount the protection and the, separ the, the protection and separation from evil that the presence of God offers. Oh, that we had the eyes to see spiritually all those times that the Spirit of God intervenes on our behalf. I'm fascinated too by this idea that the same cloud that brought light to the Israelites is the same cloud that brought darkness to the Egyptians. Have you ever experienced that truth? When a work of God in your life or in a, another person's life becomes almost, if you would, a curse or a period of darkness in the life of someone else. I'm reminded in the, in the, in the New Testament 
In Paul's journey in Acts chapter 16, a slave girl was freed from the demons that possessed her, from her spiritual affliction. She was freed from that. Oh, it was glorious. It should have been a time of celebration. But her masters were furious, were angry. Because why? Because this woman that they were manipulating and taking advantage of for their own personal gain was now healed. Oh, that we would see that sometimes as God blesses, His presence in our lives means and has an impact on others. After leaving the Sea of Reeds, the Red Sea as is commonly translated, most likely the Sea of Reeds, they made their way towards Mount Sinai. Now, if you remember, when Moses was in the desert originally, the Lord said that one of the evidences that I am with you is when you come back and worship at this mount. And so the, the, the pillars led them to Mount Sinai. And there they, they, they camped for probably about a year, I think is what the, the Scripture story would say. And there they learned what it meant to be a, a people of God, how to, how to live together with one another how to experience and to know God as the law was given to them and, and they began to understand and to, to build a, a community and a society that could then move into the promised land. And during that time, during that time, the Lord had them to construct a tabernacle. Now we, we know the presence of God, as the scripture said, that a cloud and fire came down upon the mountain to, to symbolize God's presence there. But when the tabernacle was completed... The cloud, the pillar, the, the, the cloud came and rested upon the tabernacle. And there you could see the, the cloud certainly, but the, the light as well as the cloud settled. I believe it's over in Exodus chapter 33 that, Moses, that, that the Lord says that my presence shall go with you. Whenever the, the cloud would lift up off the tabernacle, it told the, the Israelites it was time to go. It was time to march on, and they would follow the cloud to, to that new and next destination. And then when the cloud would settle over the tabernacle, it was a season to rest, to recuperate, to prepare for the next leg of the journey. And the rest of that passage there in Exodus 33, 14, says, the Lord says, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. The presence of God means rest in our lives. Moses, in that same passage in verse 15, just a, few, few, just a verse later, remarks this to the Lord. Lord, I know your presence is here in this place. And I know that when your cloud lifts that we're to go and to follow you. But please, Moses said, if you do not go with us, do not lead us from here. In other words, Moses said, we as your people are not going to go anywhere where your spirit does not lead us. We're not going to go anywhere where the presence of God is not. What a, what a great truth for us to understand and to live by. God, if you're not going with me, I'm not going. God, if your presence is not going to be there, 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to go. Now, folks, we, 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 we need to be wise enough to understand there's, there's some places that we can go where, I, I know God's everywhere, but there's some places we can go where the Spirit of God is not. And oh, how we find ourselves in all kinds of trouble when we just merely bounce into those places and find ourselves in trouble and despair, experiencing the evil and brokenness of those events. And Moses said, Lord, we as your people, myself as a leader, we will not go anywhere that your spirit is not. We will not go anywhere that you are not leading us. And so this is how the book of Exodus concludes. What a story. Right? We begin with the people who were oppressed, who were afflicted, who were crying out to a God that, that they'd forgotten. And we end with the people who are following day by day the presence of the Lord in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. Yes, they still had a long way to go. And yes, they still had much to overcome. But they were learning. They were learning what it meant to follow the cloud of God's presence by day and the light of God's presence by night. They were learning to rest in His presence. They were learning to trust in Him. They were learning that God would protect and that God would fight for them. Church, over these last weeks, can you believe we could even begin to say over these last months, we've been talking about the state of wandering that that we seem to be in as a people, I think globally, certainly nationally, certainly in Norman, and individually. We have been a people wandering through social unrest, through financial uncertainty, through political polarization. And of course, all of this is taking place in the context of a global pandemic that has stolen from us the things that bring us comfort, the things that strengthen us and help us to manage these stresses of life. COVID continues to disrupt our families. Children and grandchildren remain isolated from their parents and grandparents. And those choosing to do and to be together do so with an increasing fear of infecting their loved ones with this deadly virus that you may or may not have. Every cough and fever brings about fear and suspicion. Oh, stay away from them, right? COVID continues to disrupt our communities. Businesses and restaurants struggle with how to do business. Professionals struggle with, do I work at the office? Do I work from home? Unemployment's created an incredible financial burden that impacts all of us. Schools and educators are trying to make plans for a school year afraid and unsure of what they don't know, what we don't know. COVID continues to interrupt and disrupt our churches. Oh, it's so good to see you. some new faces here today. It's great to see you, but oh, won't it be 
sweet and joyful when we can all gather together without the risk and fear of disease, of virus, of illness. Won't that be so sweet and joy-filled? To be able to sit in a room together to study and, and pray and encourage one another to see this sanctuary filled. To sit around a table and enjoy a meal with each other and fellowship and share our lives with each other. You see, church is that place where we find strength and courage and faith and hope and love in the presence of Christ. That's why Hebrews tells us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We have experienced that in a time where we have been forsaken to spend time together. And COVID continues to overburden our medical community and our other resources. Testing still lags behind. Hospital beds are being filled to capacity. Doctors and nurses are exhausted. Researchers continue to scramble for the cure for the vaccine. Like the Hebrews, we find ourselves wandering in the wilderness and we do not know our way to the promised land. Our way of life has been totally disrupted. But let us remember, church, let us remember that those whom the Lord saves, the Lord leads, the Lord guides and directs. So during this difficult time, during this trying time, we must be reminded and we must be confident that God is present with us to lead us, protect us, and to give us rest. So my question for each of us today is have you discovered the presence of the Lord during this time of wilderness wanderings? First and foremost, we, we must understand that God is present to us and with us today through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Scripture declares that He is Emmanuel. It's not just a Christmas word, right? He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Jesus is God with us. And He is present with us. Jesus is the Word that became flesh to live among us. And in Hebrews 13, 5, the Scripture says that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. Moses and the Israelites would have never survived the wilderness without the presence of God. In church, we will never survive this wilderness or any future wilderness that we have to walk through without the presence of Christ, who is God. And as we travel through the wilderness, we can depend on Jesus to lead us and to guide us. He proclaims, I am the way. His word, the scriptures, are a lamp to our feet, are a light to our path. In John 10, Jesus declares himself to be the good shepherd who, like the pillars of cloud and of fire, the good shepherd goes out before us, right? He leads the way and he calls us by name. And He leads us to those green pastures and those quiet waters. Like Moses, we too must have the determination to say to our tempters, to say to the evil around us, 
I will not go where the presence of the Lord is not. I am following my good shepherd. I am following the way of Christ. And that is the path that I will choose. Maybe today you need to be reminded that Jesus is your protector and He fights for you. On the cross, He took your place and He took my place. He died for us that we might have eternal life. He fought for us and died for us. And now He lives for us and invites us to live with Him. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3 says, We learn that the Lord is faithful and that He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. When we remain in the presence of the Lord, we find shelter and protection from our enemies. Finally, the presence of the Lord offers us rest. Rest in the wilderness. You remember that beautiful passage of Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 28, where He invites all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, to come to Him and to find rest, that He will give us rest to take on His yoke, to learn from Him. And we will find rest for our souls. Church, are you tired? Are you weary today? Are you tired? Are you weary? Do you need rest? Do you feel like you just need to pitch your tent in the presence of God and experience His presence, His renewal, His life once again? Find rest in His green pastures. Find rest in His still waters. Find rest in His presence. Yes, church, in so many ways, we are wandering in the wilderness, but we do not have to wander alone. God is present with us in the wilderness of this virus. God is with us in the wilderness of the social and political upheaval in our nation. We do not need to look for a cloud of fire or a, a, a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire. We don't need to look for those signs in the sky of the presence of God. For the presence of God dwells in us through Jesus Christ. He is Emmanuel. He goes before us to lead us and to guide us. He goes before us to provide and to protect us. He's the God who offers us rest. By faith, would you receive His grace today? He is the way. Is He your way? Why not make Him so today? For neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing can separate us, can separate you or separate me from the love and the presence of God which is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father, how desperately we need to hear this word today that we are not alone. We are not alone in whatever wilderness that we find ourselves. And we are not alone even in Egypt in the affliction that we, that we experience as we cry out to you, God, save us, redeem us. 
Father, there are those here today that desperately need to cry out to you, that desperately need to know your presence in their life. Or they're going through circumstances that it may be that no one else knows about. So Lord, we ask that today that you show us your cloud, your fire through, through the Son, Jesus. And that we would know that through him, your presence is with us all the time. Oh, how some of us need direction and guidance. Some of us need rest. Some of us need to know that we are so valued, that we are, are worthy of you protecting and fighting for us and dying for us and living for us. God, stir our hearts. As we stand to sing in just a moment, I would invite you to make your commitments to the Lord. Oh, I'd love to, to follow up after the service and visit with you. If God is stirring in some new ways, if God is calling you to receive Him as Lord and Savior, don't leave this place until you've settled those questions. For you, through Jesus Christ, can never be separated from the love of God. Let's stand. Let's sing together.